Hello, everyone. The, the so there's a few series that have popped up, and I I don't know if they were started this way, but there's some world building happening um, in the space of AI voice generated. Oh, okay. Um, Rogan, Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson. That's one mm-hmm. kind of series. And then the other series is like the Gaming Presidents, which right. we, we talked about last time. Have you seen the Joe Rogan, Ben Shapiro? You sent me one, right? Jordan Peterson one where they're they're talking about Ben Coin. No. So there's a whole series now um, where Ben Shapiro is on Joe Rogan R- Rogan show now. Like in this world, they kind of do the show together. Mm-hmm. And Ben Shapiro has launched a NFT. Or, or crypto called Bencoin and got Joe Rogan to invest all of his money in it. And now Bencoin has been seized by the FBI and Joe Rogan has lost everything and keeps trying to get people to invest in Bencoin so they can get their money back and everything. Right. And, in in watching these videos, I realized there are some voices that are made for kind of AI and some voices not so much. Yeah. Ben Shapiro is ear like I've never heard a bad AI Ben Shapiro. Right. His voice is like born out of mm-hmm. his voice started as AI. <laughs> yeah. And it was put into a human. And right. now technology is caught back up and be like, yeah. oh, here's the origin of that voice. Yeah. So that's, and Joe Rogan, too, his voice is really good. Uh, Obama in the game, he's, that's that's a little rough. Mm-hmm. Trump tends to be good. Yeah. Trump and Biden sound good. Biden are I just good. watched one today where it was a deep fake where they put um, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone in Step Brothers. <laughs> and um, the Stallone, the Schwarzenegger one is uncanny. It's crazy. It sounds exactly like him. But the Stallone one is, like, bizarre. Yeah. It's not even – it's, it's like, it's, like, definitionally close – Mm-hmm. But just something sounds really off about it. Is it, it, it was weird. Well, we need to send each other. I want to see that one. Yeah. I'll send you the uh, the Ben coin. But I'm fully invested. I mean, there's like again, I don't know if it started that way, but I'm all for this universe building that they're doing. Yeah, especially with the uh, Joe Rogan, um, Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson one. Yeah. Yeah, the gaming the gaming presidents one is hilarious. <laughs> Part of that too, though, is um the writing. The, the whoever's writing, writing those things are are geniuses. The absolutely the other thing that I that's coming through with it, which I feel like could be unintentional, but maybe the writing is just this good. Mm-hmm. But it makes me like understand the value of video gaming mm-hmm. you know the the relationship yeah like you like i can totally see and understand 
people who play all the games that they have them playing from Pokemon to Roblox or whatever. Um, if that's something that you truly enjoy and then seeing like finding your community there, I don't know. It, it made me want to get back into gaming with like you and Chris more. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, I can't believe this is actually making me consider my own relationships and value the, the values <laughs> that I give things. Right. And be like, yeah, man, I I think that there's total value in being someone who could sit there and be like, oh, that's your Pokemon team that you have? Oh, watch <laughs> this. Like, I can't believe you did. You brought that to this battle. Yeah. And, uh, man, that sounds like fun. Yeah. Um. One thing I wanted to bring up, it's been officially it's been one year, a couple days over one year since Severance started, mm. and we have been more or less podcasting on schedule for a year. Yeah. Huh? Hey. The first time, long time. Good on us. <clears throat> Um, I just swallowed something. I'm sorry, but there's. Anyway, I'll deal with it. Ugh. Yeah, you you go on. Uh, before we get into the Last of Us, if there's nothing else you wanted to talk about, I think there was, but I forgot it. We're gonna have to circle back around to the one star review we got last week. <laughs> From a user by the name of John B. Underscore. B. John underscore B. And I want to start off by saying, I want to start off by apologizing mm, for telling you. John B. to F off. Okay. I got a little heated. Maybe I was caught a little off guard. Um, yeah, you had no idea that we had a review. Right. So I, I, I retract my F off. And in place of that, I'll say, I love you. I love you. I love being your tile coach. Being your tile coach. Okay. <laughs> That's for you, John B. Let me, let me jump really quickly in here and say it was funny though. I think, I think if your, your, the spirit in which you said it was a surprise, but to me held no malice. No malice. I was just goofing around, but there you I, go. I, I, but you I can understand how it can come off as harsh. You went too far. Okay. With that being said, okay. Okay. As soon as the episode was over, my mind started racing. The next morning, I'm walking the dogs, and this dumb ass review is just replaying in my brain. And so I start taking all these notes on my walk, and I just can't <laughs> stop thinking about it. Um, <laughs> So there's a couple things I wanted to talk about. The first thing I wanted to say, which we can't verify now because he took the review down, which I'll also say, don't do that. Fair play. Leave it up. Oh, Leave it what? up. I, this is the other thing I'll say too. After the episode ended, this is my theory, right? I'm fine with the one-star review. I think at a certain I welcome it. I exactly because I think at a certain point it's like fish hook theory, right? Oh. We're gonna get so many one star <laughs> reviews that it goes from being a bad and then it curves around to being good. Because people are gonna be like, 
there's all, look at all these one star reviews, especially if they're all saying like, these guys have no idea what they're talking about. At a certain point, it's going to be like, someone's going to see that many one star reviews and be like, I have to listen. Do to Do they this. even know what a TV is? Exactly. Are they even understand. speaking English on this podcast? Right. So that's what, but okay. So going back to the review itself, which like I said, it got taken down. <clears throat> But one thing I did notice about the review, there were a couple. I think I know. Yeah. A couple misspellings. Typos, ah. which is interesting because it's almost like you're not prepared to write a review because you're leaving typos in your thing. Because I'm the one who read it last week. I know. Yeah. I know. There so it's like there's a few. You know, there's a difference between a part and a part. Right? Those are two different things. Maybe if you're aware of that, or maybe if you're not aware of that, you shouldn't be writing an iTunes review. Right? I mean, I, I would say it just goes to show you that it's, that it's hard. It's, it's Exactly. It's hard. People make mistakes. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> you know what I mean. I love how defense how, how you're looking for validation. <laughs> validation from this something. is the other thing i'll say if you go back and reread the review mm -hmm. which well i'll get to that in a second that was not a one-star review like like quality wise well, right like he talks about nice guys great personality i feel like it would be a little bit better if they prepared more that's one star that's yeah. like a two and a half three star review you i can't feel do like have Okay, also to that point, who gives a podcast mm -hmm. a one-star review mm -hmm. and then keeps listening to it, mm. right? Because we know he listened to the episode because he took the review down, mm -hmm. and then he put it back up, and then he took it down, and then he put it back up. So I know he's continued to listen. Well, maybe we're on a trial basis. That doesn't make any sense Which, to me. For, one star is literally the worst rating you can give a podcast you cannot go lower than one star right i yeah. feel like we should get one star just for having like quality microphones okay here's my question if you are evaluating and let's stick with podcasts in your mind if you're going to give it a star rating let's say out of four stars uh -huh. what's what's itunes four or five? Five. Five out of five stars Mentally, do you start at five and wait for them to deduct themselves down? Or do you start at zero and wait for them to build themselves up to a five? I start at nothing. And so, I only leave a review if it's so, if I like it. I don't know if I've ever left a review, actually. So <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I would imagine only leaving a review if I like something so much that it was like, uh, I kind of along the lines of like, R.M. Brown. Like, I subscribe to R.M. Brown's Patreon purely just to support what he's doing. I don't watch any of the extra content. I don't expect to watch. I just do it because I'm... And so if I was listening to a podcast that I really, really liked and they were so invested in getting people to leave five-star reviews, I would probably leave a five-star review. Mm -hmm. That's the only time I would do it. Yeah. Because maybe John is a like you. Maybe he starts from zero. So again, maybe we're on a trial basis. He's we're, we're building our stars up, and I think we just rushed the process. Because now, well, yeah. So that's the thing. So he took it down, 
He's now he put it back up. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've now I've been following this closely. Okay, I've I gone from not, not paying attention I, yeah, to their news I, at all <laughs> to checking it every hour. <laughs> okay, so he took it down, put it back up, put back up the original review, except this time with five stars. Uh huh. Well, okay. How do you feel about that? I don't like any of the changes. You should have just left the one-star review up in its original form. So, yeah, starting... So, I think we both agree, number one, if you leave a one-star review, that's fine. That's... that. Either but you're no. going to help us eventually because we will have a groundswell of people who will be curious, or you're just, like, the way that I look at it, you're just honestly sharing your your engagement with it, which... I'm fine with. So we agree on that. Yeah. Then I agree on that. What I'll say is leave a one-star review, but just know if you pick the wrong thing to give us a one-star review about, you're going to get called. I will eat your ass on the podcast. Is that a negative? I will eat your ass. See, yeah, but is that a eat your ass can never be used in a legitimate like threat. Yeah. Sure. Right. Like I know Alex Jones, it's, mm-hmm. it's already a joke, but in if we were to seriously evaluate that, there's no situation where you can yell at somebody, <laughs> I will eat your ass and right. have that And be, it's intimidating. And that's intimidating, correct? Sure, yeah. Okay, so then what you told me is that the review went down, they came back up, five-star negative. Five-star, but how, with the same negative review. How do you feel about that, though? What, no. what if somebody g- gives a five-star review and then a negative, five-star but negative body? Sure. Right. Yeah, I that's think, fine. I think that's... That's probably the I, way to go. I just want your review as you want to post it. That's it. Yeah, but... It, just again, know you're going to get some heat. I, I'm not a reviewer of podcasts either, but I think I will, moving forward, I think I'll utilize the five-star mm-hmm. negative review model. <laughs> right. Like, I think everything will get a five-star, uh-huh. but I think I'll be I'll be yeah. truthful in the body. Sure. Okay. It's almost cool. like how they do it on um, American Arts and Culture Review. Mm-hmm. Where they just give everything five stars. Exactly. It's like, yeah. hey, you made something, five stars. You, yeah. Like you said, you paid for microphones or you're you're getting yeah. together, you're doing a thing. Right. Five stars. Sure. So. It sucks. Takes <laughs> it down, puts it back up, now with five stars, but with the same negative body. Takes that down, puts another one back up, five stars, and then the body is like five emoji stars, and it says no notes. 10 stars. 10 stars, basically. Takes that down, Mm. puts up another one, which is the one that's up now, I believe. Five stars, and then it says... (laughs) It's just like the shrug emoji. Okay. Right? There might be something else in there, but I know it ends with the shrug emoji. So... See, that deserves one star right there. (laughs) If anybody wants to call you out... (laughs) On the times you burped on this podcast, uh, I'm in agreement. The other thing I'll say, and I'm, I will, uh, after this, I'll tie it into Last of Us, and we can talk about Last of Us. The other thing I'll say about our reviews, one thing I do like, 
no three-star reviews. None. <laughs> we have either five-star reviews <laughs> or one-star reviews. <laughs> so you either love the podcast or you hate it. And I think that's great. <laughs> I love it. I think that's I think that's a great kind of like balance to strive for. Yeah. You know, if you're putting out a three-star podcast, like if, if the majority, if we led in three stars, I would kind of be like, yeah, what are we doing? But I mean, we're out here sucking or we're helping people with their yeah. commute. We're right? doing exactly we have, what you want. We have a five star that somebody, uh, we assist with their commute every time. Was, was that it? Yeah. <laughs> we're either doing exactly what you expected or you've been caught so off guard that you are angry enough to leave a one star review. Yeah. Um, so back to my original theory last week and I'm trying, (laughs) I'm trying to decide. I can't imagine people are that interested in us talking about reviews, our own reviews. But what I'll say is last week, my theory was maybe John was a little upset that one of us didn't like the show or wasn't as unequivocally praising the show as he would have liked, right? Because the review felt to me a little bit like someone may have got their feelings hurt. Mm -hmm. And to me, that just goes back to one of the points I talked about early on in the podcast or early on when we were talking about this, which is I've gone out of my way every single episode Mm -hmm. to talk about how much I like the show, Mm -hmm. right? I have criticisms. There are things I don't like about it. I nitpick some stuff, but I make sure every single episode to start and end with how much I like the episode or how much I like the show, right? But it's still not good enough, right? And that's the thing that bothers me about like the video game community that it seems to like be specifically coming out in in this context, but just in general, the video game community is like so um, polarizing. (laughs) And it's like, you have to be so unequivocal in your praise of something. And it feels a lot of it just feels like immaturity of the medium maybe. And like uh, people who are just like looking for validation and and you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that really bothered me. And the, the other thing that really bothered me about it that I think was, is exemplified a word? Sure. In our last episode, right? John's review. I love being your tile coach. I love you. I love you, John. And I love being your tile coach. His review was about us being not prepared, right? Mm-hmm. Last week's episode was an hour and a half long, right? You mentioned this episode. You mentioned this review to me. When we're just bullshitting, I'd never heard of it. Mm-hmm. We spent 30 minutes last week just bullshitting mm-hmm. and talking some about this review. And then we go on for over an hour to talk about the show. Right? Mm-hmm. How do you talk about something for over an hour that you're not prepared to talk about? I mean, I can't remember what I said last week. So Regardless. I, yeah. Who knows? I, I, there was no special. There was no, like, I have to prove that we are prepared because I didn't know about it. We just talked about the show for an hour. And that going back to the, to the thing I, I said last week to kind of my, my larger point 
is that this show to me is basically supposed to be you went over to your friend's house to have dinner or something. And it's like, hey, did you watch last week's episode of Last of Us? Yeah. And then you talk about it. Mm-hmm. That's all the show is, mm-hmm. right? It's not, welcome to, da, 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 brought to you by, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? It's just bullshit. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Right. Like, there's no you don't, way. You don't take notes to go to dinner and talk to your friends. <clears throat> yeah. And, and I do take notes. Yeah. And you do take notes for, <laughs> for your friends. Um. Yeah, so jumping into the episode then, and I wish I had a drop board because I would say D-D mega doo-doo. Um, the the I- N-word. <laughs> uh, did you hear about Dilbert, the Dilbert oh, guy? Oh, of course. And, I, and now, did he announce that he's doing a comic script, strip called Dogbert now? Did he? I think so. I have no idea. I think that's his response in like... Everyone on social media is just like, what, how long until he says it? How long <laughs> sure. until he, the countdown is on? All right. Yeah. Until Dogbert. No, I didn't it. say that at all. I don't think you understood what was said. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I welcome all feedback. If, you, if it could let you give a zero, give a zero, but fill out, fill out that middle space. Let, let, let us know what we did. Yeah. Hey, that's what I'm saying. Give us a review. Just know there's a chance <laughs> when it comes that to Justin. I will spend 20 minutes talking about it. <laughs> okay. You got to come correct. Absolutely. Um, now on to the episode. And you brought up something that I was interested in maybe talking about at the end. Sure. I wonder if we should reverse it. I wonder if we should talk about this now. Um, but no, I'll save it for the end. But we'll circle back on that kind of review and the way people watch the show yeah. later. So episode seven, last of us, uh, another, uh, kind of a mirror episode to Frank and bill, right? Yeah. It's a vignette. It's their own little thing. It's another it homosexual me, relationship, developing relationship. Kind of. It reminded me of the leftovers when the leftovers would get to a critical point in the plot, and then the next episode. I was going to say that too. He's he's having a dream because that was so frustrating with the leftovers. I remember that being so frustrating, and I couldn't remember if it was like the leftovers or if it was lost. They're both Damien Lillard, Lillard, whatever his name, Lindelof, Lindelof, and. Is his, what's his for Damon, right? Damon Lindelof. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to me, that was always frustrating because the episode would end on this cliffhanger and then you get an hour of something that's <laughs> completely like <laughs> unrelated. And then you get five minutes at the end of that episode that still doesn't move it forward. <laughs> and the next episode is like, oh, right. they're alive. Yeah. Yeah. They got saved. Um, yeah. It definitely had that feel. Do you want first do overall impression to the episode? Sure. What'd you think? Um, so I started, I was not into it at the beginning. Uh, eventually I was won over by the end of the episode. 
I was really not into it at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I can't, I don't think there was a specific point where it turned for me, but just eventually it just started working. I, I feel like, I guess the difference for me is that when we, when I watched the Bill and Frank episode, I said, and I felt like I could watch another hour of this. Mm -hmm. That's how much I liked it. And that's how good I thought it was with this episode. By the end of the episode, I was on board. But I felt like it could have been like maybe 10 minutes shorter. It did everything it needed to do. Yeah, it was a little long. You know, I don't know if we needed round two of Mortal Kombat. (laughs) (laughs) I think one round was good enough. (laughs) Watching them play, it also made me think like in real life, that has to be so disappointing. Uh-huh. Like if you lived in a dystopian world where you just heard about this game where you can eat someone, spit out their bones mm-hmm. and all that, and then you go to play and it's like, yeah, just hit those buttons. And like, I don't know. I, I disagree though, because that's like the magic of video games. It, think about it, you. You have no exposure ever. You don't even know. You've never seen a video game in your life. I mean, think about the games we were playing when we were kids. Yeah, maybe I'm talking from a place of privilege. Sure. And maybe I need to check my privilege. Yeah, your video game privilege. Yeah, but I just kind of felt like, and maybe it's the fact that I never, I never really liked, I never liked fighting games, really. Sure. I really get them. That mm-hmm. if that's what, and walking into the arcade, I'd be like, there's so many other If I went to Mortal Kombat, I'd be like, us. Oh, I'm bored. I think part of that too would also because the the whole appeal of Mortal Kombat, especially to kids, is the violence. Mm-hmm. If you live in a world where you're being attacked and killing zombies, <laughs> uh, Mortal Kombat is probably not going to have the same effect. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine showing people in that world Stardew Valley? Hey, right. <laughs> play this game. That that would be the most popular game, I think, in a dystopia. Yeah, yeah sure. Just farm. Um, so, yeah, I, I liked the episode, too. I have maybe a few more nits mm-hmm. than other episodes, yeah. and I'd, I'd like to get to them. The, yeah, um, the, I would but, say the weakest one of the show so far. Not to say that was bad. I liked right, it. right. No, I, I, I agree. And it, and it goes back to kind of what I was talking about last week where analyzing why I'm watching this and what I'm trying to get out of it. Yeah. I'm not going to be so, – like, I'm in it for the acting. Like, this was basically an actor showcase. You watch for Bella Ramsey, how she's going to, you know, deepen this character. And I think she's doing, like, a fantastic job. I thought she did great work in this too. But I definitely had that remove where I felt like I was watching an acting exercise more than I was invested mm-hmm. in the story. Because again, yeah. as soon as her friend comes in the window, you know exactly what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take you out. We're going to have a great time. Watch us have the best night of our lives. And then we're going to get bit. Mm-hmm. And the whole time, you're just like, okay, how are they going to execute this? Mm-hmm you know, perfect night. What I will say about that is I think that's what pulled me in is because I think they did a really good job along this kind of the same lines as 
barbarian mm. where they're maybe not as like winkingly as barbarian but to me it felt like they were playing a lot with the tropes of like horror horror movies and even before you get the shot of the um whatever they're called clickers clickers well some of them are clickers some of them are whatever before you get the shot of the zombie who's gonna bite them who's gonna bite them there's still these moments of like it's just like rising tension almost and you're just kind of I, I the one i remember specifically is when they're in the photo booth and um riley is like reaching her arm out and there's just all these little moments where you're just waiting for something to happen that reminded me of like barbarian where it felt like they're kind of playing with the tropes and playing on this and ultimately it ends up not being any of those sort of cheapo scares it just mm-hmm. happens you know what i mean it started i started laughing because the dead guy the mm-hmm. guy who overdosed when he falls through the floor oh yeah that was brilliant I thought, yeah. I thought that was mm-hmm. so good. So I, watching it from a little bit of a remove, I was kind of overanalyzing it, thinking, how are they going to, you know, surprise us in this story? Mm-hmm. And one of the ways is that they just didn't surprise you, right? Right. They, they just kind of gave you a really well-acted, executed, you know, um, or, or a really well-acted execution of the idea, mm-hmm. this standard idea that you've seen before. But the whole time I'm just thinking, oh, what if they get into the mall and immediately the thing like corners them? Mm-hmm. And the whole episode is them trying to navigate through this one clicker. Mm-hmm. And my my brain kept going for, you know, how could you subvert this in a storytelling way. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I, it's not helpful to critique something on what it's not, but I couldn't turn my brain off to be like, how else could they have subverted this? Sure. Because it, what it is so expected, you yeah. know, you, you know enough of her backstory to know that she got bitten them all mm-hmm. and that she was with somebody that I don't know why I thought, I knew that she'd be with somebody that she cared about. Mm -hmm. Maybe that was just my expectation. Maybe she mentioned it before. I don't know. I don't think she did, but I do have a post about that that I wanted to talk about. Okay. Go go ahead though. No, so so I was. I just. I I I knew the pieces, and then I knew the end result, and I was a little too aware of the expectations Mm -hmm. for me to just truly fall into it and get, you know. Uh, and, and I think I also accepted that they weren't going to do the easy way uh, or do, do the, have the easy way out when they got to the escalator and they're like playing on the escalator. I was like, okay, I, I can see that. I think they're in this for the long haul. We're not going to get an attack until the last five minutes. So yeah. I was, I, I kind of was expecting that. Yeah. Um, okay. So the the question I had at the end of the episode, which this post on this comment on Reddit kind of goes into, but I wanted to get your thoughts about why do you think, or were you disappointed at all that they didn't show 
the moment where they actually like, or I guess where just Riley begins to like turn into a zombie. Mm. Because obviously we know every once you know it happens, you know where it's going. We already mm. know that Ellie is immune, but that seems like it would be a very significant moment. Obviously, so I thought it was. I I don't I don't know if like maybe they're saving that for later. I can't imagine they are. I don't know why they would go back to it. Oh, it felt like a total save. Really? Oh yeah, to me. Mm. Okay. Because I guess that explains it then. But yeah, I just thought it was interesting they did didn't actually show it. It's too much of a puzzle for them to leave. They built that moment up too much. They even mm-hmm. have Riley say, I see two ways out of this. One, we kill ourselves. Mm-hmm. Number two, we ride it out. Mm-hmm. And then they clasp hands. And you realize like, okay, but the third option, which um, Ellie... Ellie asks about and she's like all she says she's like in option three she's uh she just apologizes mm-hmm. how do they get to option three because that's what happens mm-hmm. ellie doesn't turn and doesn't shoot herself obviously right so does um does her friend turn and then she kills her and then she just never turns mm-hmm but if that's what happens, you can't, you can't pass that up. You can't pass up either a scene where she has to kill her girlfriend mm-hmm. or where she has to, like, lock her girlfriend in a room and, like, leave her there. Mm-hmm. That's just too emotionally rich in a show that is kind of all about those tough moments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, we we have to know. Yeah. Uh, So I thought this comment was interesting. They said, uh, why duh on Reddit said, just to connect dots, this is also how Ellie wound up chained up in a room and what she was referencing when she said she had killed someone. She killed Riley after Riley turned. She was found there later by the fireflies. Uh, and then, through several several unimportant possibilities, she ended up chained up in that room. This was integral to how she went from being a Fedra military student to being chained up where Joel found her. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it also is interesting because she's on a 10-day hold when we first meet her chained in that room. Mm-hmm. I don't know why 10 days is sticking in my mind if they've referenced it. Yeah. But yeah, that also sort of seems to make sense with she's bit. I'm assuming they, they've probably, they found her at a point where, um, she should have turned right if she had been bit. And so they're probably just being like, just to be sure about this, we're going to chain you up for a little bit. Yeah. But what, what I'm interested in with that, is how Ellie's responding to herself. When we meet her, she's just angry. Yeah. But if you also were just realized, because, again, I believe that timeline. Maul found mm-hmm. pretty shortly after. I don't think that she lived in the mall for a month. Right, yeah. So she's going to get found pretty quickly by the fireflies, mm-hmm. right? 
then taken to a room. So Ellie's already processed her own immunity that quickly, like where she's just back to her old self in, in that short amount of time. Like, I just feel like wouldn't she be processing the fact that she's immune in that room too? Yeah, I guess that's like, a good, that's like, a good point. Yeah, why would she be so like, take my temperature? Where Wouldn't she be like, what's going on? Why am I not turning? Yeah. She doesn't seem curious at all about that. She just seems to be like, accept it. And, and what, she wants to be let go? Like, I, yeah. you know, it makes me question how we first find Ellie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Of course you didn't. <laughs> You're the one star in this podcast. Exactly, sure. <laughs> um, another sort of question I came away from this, which I've had for a little bit now, um, and I think that what we were just talking about kind of dives into a little bit. Do you have a good? Do you feel like you have a good grasp on like all the different factions in the show? And no. like who's good and who's bad and who does what and like you know what I mean there seems to be there's Fedra mm-hmm. there's the fireflies mm-hmm. there's but then there's also every iteration of Fedra mm. so like Fedra in Kansas City that's what I was going to say could be operating in a different way than Fedra in Boston right it really is who's executing so it. then there's the the group of people in Kansas City um Melanie Linsky's people who mm-hmm. are not fireflies and are not Fedra mm-hmm. and they're fighting against Fedra or a they, they seem to be a, a group of people who are resistant to Fedra that Fedra tried to squash mm-hmm. that used normal people to help, you know, expose and flip these subversives. Mm-hmm. So, that's where you see Melanie Linsky like shooting the doctor and rounding up normal people. Mm-hmm. So to me, it feels like there's two power str- power struggles there, and then just normal people who aren't affiliated with anything mm-hmm. who are just trying to survive, caught underneath the umbrella of these of Fedra and then Melanie Linsky's people. Mm-hmm. And then there's also um, Henry was a what did they call him so he was just trying to help his brother and then gave up the leader of the subversive group melanie Linsky's right brother. but they had a specific name for their kind like collusioner or something traitor. Like i mean that. he says like i don't work with traitors so he's like working with a different faction, I guess, is that supposed to also be Fedra? So I kind of took it as, again, this is where I say like, I don't, I don't have clarity on who's who. My understanding was more that he was one of the normal citizens with a brother Uh who, if anything was sympathetic to Melanie Linsky's brother and was maybe assisting them a little bit, or at least, was aware of the brother because he mentions how the brother was so charismatic, how you know he could get you to follow him and then ultimately flipped on them. Mm-hmm. But I didn't get the sense that he was ever like a fully sworn member of their group, that he was just a kid who flipped on them or exposed them. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I can't find it. But yeah, I thought it was interesting, not just in this episode, but in a couple episodes, I've found myself kind of not fully understanding the different mm-hmm. factions. And I'm sure that part of that is by choice. Um, and at the same time, like, I don't really want them to go into it. Yeah, and you're going to have to get rid of your um, privileged Western non-dystopian ideals, Justin. You you referenced good people. <laughs> sure, right. Okay, we're we're in a society where it's not as simple as yeah, who's good, of course, who's bad. I read a book about the Comanche people, Justin. Yeah. And um, you, you told me not to let you talk about this on the podcast. <laughs> the one thing, the one thing that I do want to say is it's interesting to see or hear about or read about a group of people Hold who, have, up. who have a society that is kind of based off of principles that we can't identify mm-hmm. that they're, truly is a spectrum of morality. If you think about even just looking at film and, you know, stories mm-hmm. that they're told, you see a dichotomy, right, of people who, like Terrence Malick, who might view nature as more of a source of grace and healing mm-hmm. and beauty, and, like, Werner Herzog, who sees nature as brutal you know as unforgiving unforgiving mm-hmm. or like Cormac McCarthy you know um who sees nature in the same way I think and you realize like if you built a society just based on nature you would have to hold both those things in reality you know that the beautiful circle of life in Lion King or whatever Mm. still involves like animals eating the babies of other species, right? Because they're slower. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'm going to eat the old and, and the, the young. Um, And, and yet you also would have a society that represents like harmony and balance that the two are opposed to each other, they they are in some ways like oxymoronic, but they also can be in balance. So I just feel like, especially in dystopian world, we look at it and I think that we would say like there are right and wrong ways of building a society, but in the reality of a dystopian future that we can't understand that a moral code would, would assert itself that could still involve great violence but mm-hmm. does not mean that that society is, you know, bad, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I thought this comment was interesting along those lines. Uh, okay, but Riley's saying that the Fireflies have successfully overthrown Fedra and other QZs and put things to right in those places compared to Marlene admitting to Kim in the first episode that they haven't beaten Fedra anywhere in 20 years. So the Fireflies are full of shit, and that was totally propaganda. They fed their child soldier recruit. So like you said, and, you know, it's to be expected with the show, you know, there are no good and bad. Every Everybody is kind of shades of gray. Um, 
And, but, and it has to be like you, you, you can't have a non, yeah, brutal society in some way. And I, I get that. I guess what I just don't really understand is like what is the motivation? It seems like I guess Fedra is kind of a stand-in for just government, right? Mm. Trying to keep things together, status quo, if not yeah. government. And then fireflies are trying to overthrow Fedra, but I don't understand why. Well, I like I like Ellie's pushback in this episode where she kind of questions the firefly approach as well and doesn't seem persuaded. Yeah. Um, and again, I think that that's interesting and I'm glad that they are treating it that way rather than a more like star Wars binary. Yeah. Fireflies are good because they're the underdogs. Fedra's bad. Mm -hmm. And again, each Fedra I think is unique. Like there very well could be, the Fedra of Kansas City could very well be like horrific, totalitarian, mm -hmm. cannibalistic, and the Fedra of Boston. Because what's the overarching combination of Fedra? Like, what's their power structure? That's the other thing that I don't understand. There's no federal system overseeing each little iteration of Fedra, right? Yeah. There's no president. Right. So. Those seem to be people who were maybe, I imagine Fedra to probably be the local power structure asserting itself, probably made up of police force, firefighters, people who are already have, you know, positions of power mm -hmm. and then, you know, enacting that force on a local population under the name Fedra. Right. More, more than a collective identity. Yeah. I bet, I bet they don't even like have a pledge. <laughs> I bet there's no like Fedra salute. Sure. I bet it's right. just, yeah, it's just whatever your Fedra unit, however you want to structure yourself. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And then same thing with fireflies that the fireflies and the, the, the place in the last episode, they're not fireflies, right? They're their own autonomous, collective where tommy is right that are just independent in wyoming and bro broken off mm -hmm. and somehow get a collection of bodies both infected and not to put around their territory yeah so are they good or bad too they i think that we're going to get a reveal of them being not yeah so great pretty gnarly yeah uh okay so let's talk about the joel situation the Joel Sitch. I have a lot to say about the Joel Sitch. So, you were wrong. Nope. Well, I guess we don't know if you're yeah, wrong. Yeah, hey, what, what are you talking about? Uh, but, so so Joel is somehow now, Ellie has somehow carried Joel into, into the basement, basement of a building. <laughs> okay, whatever. And the horse is down there. So, I guess, could, <laughs> you know, she sure. tied him to the horse and the horse yeah. dragged him down. Um, but... At the end of the episode, we get the, um, how does it tie in? Now, I remembered while I was watching it. but Starts with her, remember. with him. She, he tells her to go. Right. She leaves, it, flashback, comes back. Yeah, and she, but there's like a larger parallel between, 
I think in the the story we watch in this episode, she's she's like the um, the captain or whoever at the beginning of the episode gives her two choices, mm-hmm. but he doesn't act. But she doesn't actually have a choice, mm-hmm. right? And then at the end of the episode, Riley gives her two choices, but she doesn't actually get a choice. But but I think in that one, she's saying that they that she accepted her fate in that situation. Yeah. That well, that's did. what I'm saying though. She doesn't actually have a choice. Right. Right. They, they didn't fight it. Well, I mean, again, I think the choice would have been what you see her do in this episode, which is find something, mm-hmm. do something. I think what that implies is probably with Riley. They just sat there. Right. Riley turned. She either kills Riley or puts her in a room mm-hmm. and then leaves her and her refusing to let Joel go. Is her an acting right? Decision. Exactly. So now she gets to make a choice, and exactly. she chooses to. Well, even then, she had a choice. Like they could have done something. Yeah. You know, what I mean, she could cut her arm off. Like, sure. But so now she chooses to save Joel. Do you? Are you able to watch stuff like that, like the sewing thing? I can't do it anymore. No. I just squinch my eyes mm-hmm. until I can. I just see blobs on the screen and I know when it's not the gross thing anymore. Yeah. Oh, I can't take it. Yeah. It's so gross. No, I can't like, and that goes back to something we've said before, you know, the stuff that you can do today. So I'm going back, I'm showing India a lot of old movies and now I feel really comfortable with him watching more violent movies and I'm watching movies that grossed me out and I'm watching with him. I'm like, that's so goofy. Mm-hmm. That looks goofy. And now I watch stuff. I'm like, that does not look goofy. That looks real <laughs> really and gross, gross and disgusting. And the, but then Indy's like, yeah, whatever, right? Well, exactly. Well, he's yeah. not watching this show. Sure. But yeah, there, there's stuff like I keep going back to Stranger Things. I'm like, Stranger. I'm like, because he still gets kind of nervous about like scary stuff and violent stuff. Um, but I'm like, Indy, the stuff you've seen in Stranger Things. I couldn't have imagined when I was your yeah. age. And now you're just like, yeah. And that's not scary to you. That's like, oh, no, it's Stranger Things, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I can't. I can't, I can't do like that sewing. It's too Yeah. It's too real. Um you should show him. I would be interested to see what he thinks just of the practical effects in like the thing. The thing I honestly feel is very, the thing I think holds up because it's terrifying in its practicality. The one that I'm interested in showing him is the chest burst from Alien. Right. That scarred me as a kid. <laughs> yeah. That was horrifying to me uh-huh. as a kid. I have a feeling like that is not going to be as horrifying. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. So back to The Last of Us. Um She's sh- she sews Joel up. Joel's fine. Do do you want to get my nits? Sure. Should, should we get into the details on this? Because well, I have a lot of thoughts. Okay. About so this. one thing I want to say quickly, just about the Joel and Ellie dynamic, is that I really like how they've um, handled the because, like, you know, from the beginning, right? You know, as soon as Ellie and Joel get paired up, you know that this is going to be like a. Um, bonding they're going to become like father daughter sort of thing this is the moment that they transcend you just know that that's going to happen from Mm -hmm. the beginning right but i feel like they've done a really good job of sort of earning that dynamic and not 
like not treating it as like a given, even though you know it's going to happen from the very beginning. You know what I mean? I just I feel like they've just done a really good job of building that naturally and like taking their time with it and making it seem believable. But but at this point, it feels like we're kind of we have um, crested or whatever mm-hmm. and they're like in full on bonding mode. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, with, when she chooses him, I feel like, yeah. That was, and, and we've praised the show for its economy of how it chooses its scares, how it chooses to use the zombies, how it chooses to use the emotional kind of conflicts that it brings up the emotional conflicts that they refuse to let their um, characters have. And the ones that they allow them to have, I think they've, They've really been smart in how they've done that. The other thing that I'll say is some people, I think, have argued that they haven't done enough to build the relationship. Mm. But again, I keep going back to the fact that we know from the outset what needs to happen in this story, not just because it's a video game. That's the other thing. It's like, this is a apocalyptic, dystopian zombie show where an adult needs to protect a child Mm -hmm. we understand that what story are you going to tell other than they protect the child right and it's it's just a question of to what degree am are you going to like push my face into the mud of this horrific story Mm -hmm. you know is it like the road by cormac mccarthy where we go full in or is it like station 11 uh where it's a little lighter and, and mm-hmm. more hopeful throughout. Um, and they're clearly like going the Cormac McCarthy route. So my, my thing is knowing what's going to happen, how many bonding moments can you have before yeah. it starts feeling false or before you're just replaying the hits? Mm-hmm. So I go back to their first real bonding moment, which is the knock, knock jokes or the, the puns mm-hmm. and the diarrhea joke that, yeah, like that, that's what you need. I then don't need like, here's them waking up and cooking for each other. Here's mm-hmm. them like having an awkward moment on the horse yeah. where they're both chaffed and she wants to stop and he doesn't want to. And mm-hmm. they have a little funny, you know, like you don't need that too much of that is going to, like you said, crest and then keep going. So I feel like they've, really paced themselves well mm-hmm. where at this point in the story where you do feel like we've we're turning a corner here i don't think there's going to be any more filler from here on out mm-hmm. i think if we get a flashback to riley it's going to be that moment that horrific moment where she has to kill riley or lock her away and then leave her mm-hmm. but i don't think we're getting any more here's bill and frank here's a flashback i think from here to the end, it's just going to be a rush of yeah. payoff mm-hmm. of their bonding and then of the conflict, which I don't know what it's going to be. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think they've done a really good job of just pacing everything out. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for some of my nits? Yeah, let's hear it. Number one, she doesn't disinfect the needle. Oh, oh, when she's sewing him up. We've we've talked about their economy. 
And I love the fact that they don't feel the need to go through story beats. Sure. To then not have her find like some alcohol a to lighter just like or something. A lighter. Yeah. You just feel like, well, that's infected. <laughs> right? Yeah, I did think about that too, but at the same time, I feel like the conditions are already gnarly enough that it's like, who cares? The other thing that I think, well, who cares? Your body cares. Listen, in the... <laughs> who cares? Science. Listen, in the conditions Biology. we live in now where we have everything at our fingertips, I have stuck needles, push pins. I've put in, taken a nail out of... I have a cyst on my head. I used to have a cyst on my head. I've taken nails out of my toolbox and put a nail into my head to pop the cyst. Didn't, didn't sanitize it or whatever. <laughs> so I get it. <laughs> so that didn't bother me as much. <laughs> um, Hold on. You said a lot there, but okay. Number one, number two, mm-hmm. I would love, maybe I'll volunteer myself. I'll do the work. Let me do the work to understand where someone needs to get stabbed and how deep mm. for it to truly be a wound that you can just sew up and move on from. Because that was a big bat. Yeah. And bats, it was already splintered. Uh-huh. You know there's splinters of wood <laughs> sure. in his wound. Uh-huh. She didn't pull those out. She didn't look inside there. His intestine is probably punctured yeah. in a little bit. It just... I, I just feel like I get it that you're telling a story and it's all representative. He gets stabbed. He's hurt. He's he's not going to die. He can't die yet. Mm-hmm. So move on. But in this one, it really pushed credulity sure. to be like, <laughs> oh, you found thread? Yeah, I get that. Then you then you did it. Yeah, he's he's better. Right. I now have a theory about it. Okay. He's going to die with this wound. Eventually. So you think eventually this is going to cause him to just it, croak. I don't think it's going to be the thing that kills him, but it's mm. going to be instrumental okay. in a final scene where I don't think he's going to survive. The, you don't think he's going to survive the end of the season or just in general? I think he's going to end up sacrificing himself for Ellie. Before the season's over or by the, or at the end of the season. I don't know. I I'll say at the end of the season, okay. He's an old dude. Mm-hmm. I think Pedro Pascal's probably ready to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll say that he'll, he'll die, but I think he's going to sacrifice himself. I think, I don't think that he's ever going to fully recover from this. I think she's going to get him to the point where he's like mobile, mm-hmm. but I think within two months, maybe less, they're going to encounter the people that he's going to have to sacrifice himself to, mm-hmm. to save her with. So, yeah, I think his days are numbered now. And I don't think that maybe they're as concerned with her fully healing him as much as just getting him mobile enough where we believe that he can actually move again. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like you know. Do you know something? Did you? Yes, watch I do. I know what. Ha- I know. I, I. I like. I said. I watched spoilers for the second episode. Oh, okay. So, 
The second season, you mean? For the second game. Yeah, yeah, it's the second episode. Sorry, oh, for the second episode, video, game. video game. I watched the major spoiler story beats for The Last of Us Part Two when it came out. Oh, and was your life enriched by that? No, it was Easy. just a... Uh, I needed it a filled. brief moment of satisfaction because everybody was talking about this one stupid ass video game. Um, yeah, so that's my that's my take. Okay, and I think they should have shown her disinfect it, put it in a fire, poured some alcohol on it, pour some alcohol on the wound, mm-hmm. and there's they've shown a lot of alcohol in this universe. She could have found alcohol in the thing. Here's the other thing: if you were desperate like her. Mm-hmm. Do you think that you would search the way that she searches in the kitchen? How does she search? She's just frantic. Yeah. Um, it didn't strike me as any sort of way. Here's what I always think. And I could be totally wrong. I hope my life doesn't force me to have to prove Uh this. I always think in moments like that, you could, Searching like that, the thing that you need could have just flown across the room uh-huh. under the couch. Like you're not saving any time or anything. Yeah. By like ripping a drawer open and off the hinges. Mm-hmm. Like I think I would try to calm myself and like open up and slowly, systematically search. Yeah. I don't think that I would be someone ever. I think like if there's a your house is on fire, yeah. If someone is bleeding out, but they've been bleeding out for the last few hours (laughs) and they're just down in a basement and they died and came back to life. I I think I am like, you know what? Let me like, I'm going to search a few houses. I'm going to find the best thing I can. I'm not ripping open a thing, you know, thread falls on the dirty ground and then I grab it and I go and stitch them up. I'm I'm putting a little more effort. It's a bit of a trope. But she's also supposed to be like what fourteen? She's young. Riley turned seventeen. She was turning seventeen, so uh-huh. fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, she's young. And having had to search for stuff from my daughters every single day of my life, I have no doubt that that's how she would be looking for stuff. <laughs> um, any other nits to pick? Those are the main ones. And then I have a few questions for you. Okay. Um, I also have a question. Going back to kind of what we were talking about earlier um, with the focus of the episode. So up until this point, the, the whole show has kind of made it a point to say this is not a zombie show. It's a show about relationships and these characters late stage capitalism yeah (laughs) do you think there's two episodes left do you think we get a zombie focused episode do we ever get an episode that's like this is more of a like sort of Mm. uh adventure ride action movie episode that's focused more on the zombies now that you say i'm gonna i'm gonna go with no yeah uh, maybe maybe that's season two. Mm-hmm. We we get, but I think they they're telling too deliberate a story right now. Mm-hmm. And with two episodes to go, I think they have a lot to tell still. 
Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to say no. Zombies are going to factor in, but like you said, I don't think there's going to be like a wall-to-wall 50-minute mm-hmm. zombie episode, which is what I was thinking this could be, right? Like a 50-minute one zombie story. Mm-hmm. I would have been down for that. The other nit that I have is that zombie that got them. I don't know why, but you seem like a wuss. <laughs> I, I was like... It didn't look... I thought it looked bad. He he just, he just didn't seem... He seemed like a goofy one. Yeah. I remember thinking when he burst out, maybe he's like burst out of like a coat rack. <laughs> that's a bad... That's not a, g- a good, scary entrance. Well, also, if you can't take out two teenage girls, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just felt like he was kind of... What are of, you doing? Uh, yeah. And so that kind of... That's, that, that's my... He was kind of a... Wussy ass sure. zombie. Yeah, I'm on board with that. He was a bitch. Yeah, bitch zombie. Uh, okay, what other what uh, questions did you have? So, too big, kind of pulling out big picture. You answered one of them. Mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of take a little breather, because I feel like this episode was a breather episode yeah. before we, we pushed to the end. And my one question was, do you think they built the relationship well between Joel and Ellie? Mm-hmm. And you you answered that. The second thing that I wanted to talk about is two critiques that I've heard this week. And I wanted to kind of look at them briefly with you. Number one, people, I've seen people complain two different ways about this episode and the Bill and Frank one. Mm -hmm. And I, don't think I agree with either. There's one that I definitely don't agree with. And the other one I kind of want to talk you through. Number mm-hmm. one, apparently some people are still pissed off at the LGBTQ representation mm-hmm. and all that. But like they're like all the characters portrayed in the TV show are also gay in the games, right? Yeah. Okay. So why are people pissed off? I, it, you know, I'm glad you brought this up because I also had a note about this. Um, this to me, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but this to me is, y- you always have these chuds that are complaining about, I don't want politics in my movies. Keep politics out of my games, blah, blah, blah. To me, this is a truly apolitical show. Mm-hmm. You have one throwaway line in the last episode about communism that is just, you, you can take it as a joke. Outside of that, there are no politics on this show. There's no commentary. And so if you're watching this and you're still upset about that stuff, it just means you don't like gay people. Because the Bill and Frank episode, this episode, there is no, there is no commentary. There's no um, evil force that is meant to represent like uh, outdated beliefs mm-hmm. that like gay people are evil or whatever. It's literally just a story of two people falling in love. That's it. There's no further commentary. And so if you're still upset about that, it just means you don't like gay people. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so those people are kind of telling on themselves, I feel like. 
because that's how the show has come off to me. Like this mm. is the ideal no politics. I mean, they barely even comment on the politics of the factions in the show. Mm -hmm. We were just talking about that. So it's like, this should be like heaven for you. This is exactly what you've been asking for, you know? And if, if you don't like that stuff, it's because you're bringing in all of this outside baggage and you're not just taking the show for what it is. Yeah. If, if you don't like it, then you don't like the characters. And then I'm interested for you to articulate why you don't like them. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, well, I just don't like how Bill uh, cooked. Yeah. He, he shouldn't have been such a good cook. You, you know, you're <laughs> right. just like, yeah, I think you're, you're kind of stretching there yeah. if you're trying to get upset about them. Yeah, so that was one thing where I was like, I, think, I don't think that they're changing characters, mm -hmm. really. Um, anyway. Oh, well, they're race swapping. Okay. <laughs> right? It's white erasure. Okay. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's the, that's the second thing. I come for representation <laughs> in my shows of me, of no right. one else. Um, so here's the here's the other side of that. I saw um, a few critiques. I I pulled one up here. Um, HBO's Last of Us continuing a concerning pattern for from the video games. Um. And what this article is trying to talk about is there's suffering and then there's being black in the zombie apocalypse. And talking about the suffering of minorities in apocalypse storylines. Mm -hmm. So Sam and Henry, you know? Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. Riley had to be LGBTQ, Bill and Frank, they had to die too. Mm -hmm. And the my my ultimate answer is I can't police the way anybody watches a show. Watch the show however you want to watch the show. Yeah. And it's valid. It's totally fine. And furthermore, I've mentioned this. Um I don't know if we were talking about Last of Us or another thing. I no longer, at, at one point in my life, I felt like I had to have an opinion about everything. Don't feel that need anymore. Mm -hmm. So if someone wants to write a whole article about how this perpetuates trauma, you know, in Last of Us, I have no problem with it. Go, go with it. Mm -hmm. But if I wanted to, if I'm doing a podcast about the show, and if I want to analyze my feelings on that in, in regards to the show that I'm watching, I do feel like the one thing that I would say, and again, let me know if this is total bullshit. I have not thought this through. This is just me reading this stuff and just trying to think, think out loud with you. Mm -hmm. um, if this gets us a one star, I accept it. <laughs> and it's my fault. Okie dokie. My feeling is, Maybe don't assume that everybody watches the media you watch the same way you do. Mm -hmm. That for some people, the media they watch means like life. It means they, they're, they're getting values from it. They're, they're living out emotionally narratives and they are connecting with these characters in a 
real, you know, substantive way to their own life. But that doesn't mean that your neighbor next door is watching in the same way you are. Mm -hmm. They could very well just be like, like you said, I'm going to have fun talking about this at the water cooler tomorrow. Mm -hmm. They're not necessarily thinking about what this all means in some greater context of cultural critique or uh, any historical understanding. And I think that that's also a valid way of viewing things. Sure. So it's, you know, the, the analogy I was thinking is like, you know, I feel like that's a valid way of watching things, but if that's how you're going to watch it, it's almost like you can't have an opinion on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> because I feel like those, <laughs> well, I watch what I say, but it just feels like if that's how you're going to watch it and just be like completely empty headed as you watch it, if someone pushes back on you, you're just going to have to kind of take that. Oh, absolutely. No, you know no, I mean? no. I, I totally agree, which is why ultimately, like I, I will say like, I'm not arguing against the, the argument, yeah. the article, whatever. And it's completely valid in the way that that person feels. At the same time, if I were like having a conversation with them or with you, I might say like, yeah, the, the one thing that I might comment on is in the analogy that I think about is like if somebody says their favorite comic is someone like George Carlin, mm -hmm. who's like, he's not just up there telling a joke. He's up there like, Telling you how it is. Mm -hmm. This is how society is and, and power structures. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain it all to you and, mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And you think, well, that's what comedy is. That's, that's comedy. Right. And then someone else goes to see a comedian who just wants to talk about, like, farts and, you know, popping a cyst on their head. <laughs> uh -huh. And, and like, that's, yeah. that's just their whole goal. And you go, well, that's lesser. Mm -hmm. Well, they're, they're, not a, they're not a true comic, not like George Carlin. For some people, it doesn't invalidate George Carlin for you to sit there and be like, yeah, I don't think he's funny or it doesn't, mm -hmm. doesn't work. And you're not invalidating what he says or anything like that. But I feel like sometimes the, the tenor of that critique can be such where I feel like imposed upon where it's like, yeah, I mean, like, yes, but I don't feel that mm -hmm. personally you know so it's it's it, it, it's all okay and maybe it's just me coming to terms with the fact that at some point in my life i wouldn't have been able to reconcile that i would have been like you with the review where i just i would feel like conflicted where it's like oh no i i do need to view all media through a moral lens like absolutely because there is good and bad art Mm -hmm. And then as I got older, I was like, okay, maybe that framework doesn't really work and fit. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, maybe the, the comedians who are just bent on explaining how life works, maybe they're not comedians. Maybe they're just opinion columnists. Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're reading your, their opinion column from the stage and you know, that's fine. But you know, understand it in the broader context of like, 
of how you're operating. Again, I, I realized that I need to be careful <laughs> in, in what I'm saying now. Sure. Maybe, maybe we do need to cut it all. Yeah. Maybe I need to buck myself, but does that, does, does that make sense? Yeah. What, what, what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Maybe I should just stop that. Teach their own. No. Yeah. I, I hear you. And, but, but, but I guess I'm trying to articulate like, why don't I view that as a valid, like, why don't I want to spend 15 minutes talking about that? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's only a question you can answer. But I did have a post that I wanted to talk about along those same lines. Um, and Good. Help me out. I'm going to try and read this without being too much of an asshole. But this is something. This is like this was the post. I mentioned this last week. This was the post that pushed me over the edge and made me realize I need to stop looking at the last that of the Reddit? subreddit. Uh, and this post is titled, Does anyone else feel like they're slowly watching a part of TV history unfold as they watch each episode and see people's reactions? <laughs> they say, The show has taken the zombie-infected genre and games adaptations and transcended them. Literally everything else that came before it just seemed kind of cute in comparison. Like, oh, that's nice. Pinch's cheek. Good effort, but it's nothing compared to this show, right? <laughs> they go on and on. They end it by saying, I feel gaming and television will never be quite the mm. same again, mm. and I hope it inspires some incredible gaming, TV, and movies content in the future. And to the same, along the same lines, to each their own, you come to it how you come to it. You like what you like. I'm not here to tell you not to like what you like. You know what I mean? But I read something like that and I immediately think again, love the show. I've loved I've liked every episode, even this episode which I didn't like so much, it grew on me as I was watching it and by the end I was like, man, that was a really good episode. With that being said, I don't find anything about this show to be unique. I don't find the relationship between Joel and Ellie to be better or more unique than the relationship between the father and the son in the road. Right? Mm -hmm. I don't find the sort of traveling the country in a zombie apocalypse to be any more compelling than um, World War Z. Yeah, they, they did a three-month time skip. And they don't even view it as like... Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's a great show. Everything they, they're trying to do, they're doing it excellently. But I don't... It's like, it, it's, it's like the, the best version of a lot of stuff I've seen before. You know what I mean? Um, and again, you come to it how you come to it. Maybe they haven't read The Road. Maybe they haven't read World War Z. But that's the type of stuff. And the other thing, again, that I've talked about before, I don't want more video game adaptations. Because video game stories are largely terrible. Mm -hmm. And they're like they have to be structured in a way that makes sense that you can spend five hours killing a hundred people and then jump back into the story. And to that point too, 
um, was it last episode? At least last episode for us. I, when I was watching the Henry and Sam stuff, specifically, I watched the uh, someone on Reddit posted a comparison, like a side by side comparison of the scene at the end of that episode when Henry has to shoot Sam between the actual show and the cut scene in the video game. Mm-hmm. And the, <laughs> the footage from the show is so much better than what's in the video game. It's like a joke. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that just goes back to my point, which is saying like a lot of this is just video games trying to imitate another medium. medium. Mm-hmm. And so I, I get that like, to me, again, haven't played the games, so take it with a as big of a grain of salt as you can. But to me, it seems like the show is probably going to be the purest form of The Last of Us than the game, mm-hmm. even though the game came first. Because you have this intensely emotional scene where a brother basically loses his mind for a moment and kills his younger brother. And then you get what? Two hours of like shooting people in the head. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It kind of dulls it a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, so that that's, that's kind of what it made me think. And ultimately I want video games to be video games and to tell stories in only a way a video mm-hmm. game can. I don't want a video game to be cinematic. Right. Well, not just to be cinematic, but I don't want it to be like, I don't want its goal to be like, this would be easily be. translated mm-hmm. into an HBO show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like give me a video game that exists solely as a video game that I can't experience by watching on HBO. Yeah. I want to, build on that really quickly but before i do i need to put to rest my my final point because i've just been sitting here thinking like i didn't do a good job talking about the reason why that came up why i talked about the, the the reaction to like hey i want to view last of us from the perspective of what are these types of shows doing with minority characters how are they treating them um, because it came up in White Lotus. I mm-hmm. remember when we were, were talking about, like, there there were some negative reactions to how some of the LGBTQ mm-hmm. people were portrayed on that show. They're, you know, kind of grifters. They're scheming. aggressive. They're scheming. Mm-hmm. They're all that stuff. And, again, it, it's just me. I think it's me trying to think through that analysis because, again, in both, I don't think that those those impacts those storylines imprinted on me in that way, mm-hmm. which again, not saying is a justification, but I'm just trying to think through my, my reaction and, and again, understanding the bigger picture. Yeah. So that's the context. Um, now what you're saying about this, th- there is, I, I completely agree. Number one, video games are such a new medium. Mm-hmm. And I think that people have not fully explored the way that that video games can tell stories that are unique to its kind of format or medium, like you said, in, including like the hardware keeps developing, right? Mm-hmm. We have VR now. We have like, you know, pads that you can touch. We have haptic controls that can, 
you know, rumble and make you feel certain things and sounds can be portrayed in a different way than even cinematically, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think that video games are a much more unexplored area um, that I think people are waking up to and doing more. But that's how I felt. Like I remember when, when we talked about The Leftovers and I read The Leftovers book and that book, regardless of what its intention was, it totally, to me, felt like a a, a pitch for mm-hmm. a show. Yeah. Because I read it and it gets in and just like, it's one of those stories that just stops. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's no way. There's no way that this author wrote this without thinking, you know, TV. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to expand it. Right. Um, that's just how it felt to me. And I think that that is a very like frustrating way to create art again, whether you meant to or not mm. just having that feeling is I think very frustrating. Yeah. If you are like, no, I'm doing this so I can transition mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're never going to fully realize that vision in that medium. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was my, that was my input on that. Okay. Uh, do you have anything else to say about the show? Good show. Excited for the final two episodes. Uh, somehow I thought there were more, so now I'm rethinking mm-hmm. what I said, but maybe it fits better. Joel's going to die in the next two episodes, and you're going to see him clutch <laughs> clutch his side at some point when he's diving in front of Ellie or yeah. when he's running with Ellie. He just won't be able to keep up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So last thing I'll say along those lines, the only, the only reason I'm bringing this up is because you talked about creating something the leftovers being created just to be a TV show Mm -hmm. bird box. Love the book. The book is great, right? Love it. Uh, did you watch the movie? No. Okay. Uh, I have just started Mallory. Did you read that? I stalled out, dude. Oh really? It that to me feels written for a movie. Well, that's what I was going to say. So I just started it. So I'm about an hour in. In before I started, I was like, okay, let me go. I'm gonna read the Wikipedia and get caught back up on Bird Box because I I remembered the larger points. I didn't remember some of the finer stuff. In doing that, I discovered Bird Box was literally written to be a movie. Wow. It was it was bought or it would like the rights for it was bought or something. The movie rights for it were bought before it was ever even written. It was just like given as a pitch. Way to make me eat my words. Yeah. And so then he wrote the book. And But what struck me as so weird about that, and one of the reasons why I had no interest in ever watching the movie, is that the book, the whole premise of the book, <laughs> seems so clearly designed to only work as a book yeah it's about characters who can't see anything <laughs> yeah how do you make a movie out of that yeah it's like tenet with uh where the, the whole premise of tenet is people moving backwards it inherently to me watching was just silly mm-hmm. like, yeah it, it's hard to make that compelling when people are like right literally <laughs> running backwards <laughs> like shooting and just yeah like, it looks goofy yeah yeah like yeah the, these characters need to wander around. Like in the book, there's scenes where they're just like hands on front of them. Yeah. Wander. Yeah. How can you make that cinematic? Exactly. All right. Well, I'm going to watch the movie. I'm going to try and watch some of it at least. 
because I have to know how they made it into a movie. Yeah, I, I mean, I love that book. By the way, the like, first book is great. I it, it's one of those that's just like I read it and I was like, that's a five star. That it's I'm recommending. It's such a good premise, good. and he does such a and it's like he just says says such a good job of like, um capitalizing on the premise everything and man, is it's so good everything yeah. the trip down the river i uh-huh. still remember um but yeah mallory i i started i stopped and then in this last push to read i was like oh i'm gonna i already started this i might as well just pick it back up and man i read it a little more and i was like is isn't <laughs> it's not it doesn't have it yeah. it, lo- it lost it yeah. um and and i think the other thing not to get sidetracked but i don't like character kid characters uh-huh. where they're just obstinate, but they don't really have a reason to be. They're just like right. chafing against their parents. It's like, you're in a dystopia where things are trying to kill you. I don't know <laughs> that you would be on the natural growth path of being like, I'm a teenager and I want to get right. out of here. Yeah. It's like, I, I hate you, mom. I hate you, mom. I think, I think you'd probably be like, yeah, what, what are we doing, mom? Like, right. I, I just think you'd be a little more modulated, but yeah. like her son, hates her yeah that is a little bit that's something we've talked about too that is does seem a little bit more of like an old school like our generation we hate our parents yeah or at least we didn't like them at least growing up but it's like our kids love us (laughs) you know what i mean like i've said it before like when i was a kid the last thing i ever wanted to do was spend an extra second with my parents. Our kids want to hang out with us all the time. All the time. <laughs> and I don't get it, but it's like, it's great. So yeah, the whole like idea of a, a kid hating their parent is a little uh, a little tedious, I guess. It's a little played out. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think I just am allergic to that. So I had that reaction. So did you, really quick, did you finish Butcher's Crossing? Yeah. What'd you think? It's good. I liked it. It's good. Um, yeah, it was good. I, 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 there was, I get the feeling that I like, I missed out on something by listening to it. Mm, I feel yeah. like it maybe is a little bit more contemplative yeah, if you're oh, yeah. actually reading it. Yeah. Which we've talked about before, but because I was listening to it, it's just like, I'm just going to power through this and I don't really ever have to stop and think about anything. It was really interesting reading the book on the Comanches right after that because it does dovetail so well. Mm-hmm. And everything he writes in that is like historically accurate mm-hmm. and has connections. So it was super interesting to then see the actual like yeah. representation of that book. But I think that book does a really good job of kind of putting it in a mythic, you know, kind of construct of just like, you think nature's going to like heal you mm-hmm. or show you who you are. Mm-hmm. It just wants to kill you. It's not, yeah, it's, it it's just teach brutal. You, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't teach you lessons. Like, yeah. yeah, you go out, you, even if you survive, it's not like this binary thing where it's like, I'm now a stronger, more in tune man. No, you just went through something possibly traumatizing. It, that was just basic survival. And now you have to justify it by being like, and therefore, I'm stronger. Right. <laughs> no, you're not. You're traumatized and you yeah. barely survived, you know? Yeah. All right. Two more episodes left. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. 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 And I love you. Oh, yeah. I love you. 
I'm loving your tile coach. So.